You're listening to Art Root Radio, and I'm your host, artist Michelle Lockery. Today, we're listening to an incredible woman um, that I have the honor to know and consider my friend. Her name is Melina Shine Moore. Now, Shine is a very, you know, the perfect name for this woman because this woman shines inside and out. Now, who is Melina? Well, Melina is an opera singer a production maker, a theatrical performer, a theatrical project creator, a magic maker. She owns Valley Vocal Arts and Big Apple Productions. But more than that, she's a conductor of life through theatrical experiences. If you go to one of Melina's shows, it is like you've stepped into New York City and you're at a production like the productions I saw in New York. Yet there's a a place in her production that makes you feel like you're home, but somehow elevated to what theater is supposed to do, take you to another place and time. Her productions are always so incredibly well done. The music, the costumes, the lighting, everything is done to Big Apple standards. I've had the honor to work with her on sets and watching her as she conducts this larger-than-life performance. Every detail, every piece of fabric, every light is just part of the instruments of her craft. And then to watch Melina in action, she has this beautiful presence, her eyes, her hair. She is just her own production. So to bring her to the podcast today, which is an honor, is also about her community work. Melina believes in community. She has roots that go far back into cultures that are global. And she knows the importance of working together and for encouraging people to work well together in a fair standard of shared equity. She also is a visual artist. And why she's here today is to talk about the fact that she's also a visual artist and part of one of the projects that we're working on right now called the Sunflower Project, which has roots that are deeply entrenched in our shared histories around this globe. But for me, women who use the creative force of art to make changes in community and to, well, connect each other. So take a chair, grab a tea, and when it's Melina something really great to eat because she is also the podcast host of The Saucy Soprano, which is another whole story that um, will take you on a scavenger hunt to learn more about and the incredible food and passion she has for life and her dog, Zeke. Malia and I got to meet a lot through work, but I felt we really became close over the loss of our dogs. That connects everyone because our pets help our souls, just as art can help our community. So take a listen to Melina Shine Moore. Hey, Melina, welcome to Art Root Radio. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just honored that you're climbing the digital scaffolding. And um, imagine we're sitting in the sun somewhere, either you on a stage and me on my stage. And I want to... I want to reveal the layers of Melina through visual art that many people, you know, 
we all know how famous you are and what a fantastic singer, performer. But what I would like to know is what is the visual art side of Melina? Hmm. The visual art side of Melina. Um, thought I don't, but well, I think it doesn't start with the happiest of stories. I've always loved art. I grew up with, with art. My parents, my father was a huge, um, art lover. And in our little apartment in New York, we had, he collected art books, like big coffee table art books. And I remember, you know, weekend mornings, we would sit on the couch together and I was little, little, and he would, um, flip through pages of art books and tell me all about the different artists. And, you know, I was very lucky to grow up in New York City. And so we were always at the Metropolitan Museum of Art on the weekends and the Guggenheim. Um, and so I, I grew up with, you know, a lot of great visual art around. Um, but when I was in elementary school, I had a teacher and, you know, teachers are such a profound influence on us. I had a, an art teacher who, for whatever reason, just didn't take a shining to me. And she told me that essentially, you know, my art was terrible and I would never amount to really anything as an artist. And that was sort of the end of trying to be creative in that way for me like it just affected me so deeply and to this day you know I don't really know why she was she was very known for being a really tough tough teacher it was hard to impress her but that was such a damaging thing for a young person and it really made me sort of never want to do art again and I kind of carried it with me through all of these years you know I still remember we have those those memories kind of etched in from childhood and and I still remember just how devastating that experience was and um, it's only been recently that I've kind of gotten a little bit more brave and have gotten into trying to do some painting again and uh, I've been loving it. I really have. But that voice is always kind of in there, you know? Oh, I have a similar experience. I was um, very much into music, and my family are all musicians. And I can remember yeah. right, being in a class, playing my guitar. I think I was like, some, you know, 60-type song because I was really a little hippie chick. And having, yeah. <laughs> having a teacher say to me, um, you should just color. Oh, no. Yeah. No. Yeah, and I, and I never did it again, and I had a block. You know, I'm sitting here in my studio, and I have guitars, and I mean, my grandfather played every instrument, and I never did, and all my family are professional musicians. And that, it's so sad, right, that common thread that we all seem to have. And, like, you make your living as this artist, this, yet you have yeah. a story like that. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, I, I even sort of carried it with me into – you know, eventually becoming a musician and an opera singer. And I have made a vow when I decided to do some teaching, I just sort of made a vow that I would never, under any circumstance, discourage anybody, no matter what their age or their level of talent or whatever, I would just never 
discourage anybody in their pursuits because I, you know, I knew firsthand and I know firsthand just how damaging that is and how it stays with you. So, um, yeah, so of all things, it was, uh, you know, those sort of paint and sip kind of nights that were all the rage before COVID. Yep. Um, I had a girlfriend organize one of those and, and I went and this was, you know, a few years ago and I, I didn't really expect to have as much fun as I did, but I just had the best time. And it was the first time in, I don't know, 30 years that I sat down with some really cheap, crappy paints, you know, and a cheap dollar store easel and just put paint on paper. And it was so much fun. And that's kind of what got me back into painting of all things. So I've been kind of painting on and off uh, since then. So for the last, I don't know, three, four years. And it's been such a joy. I mean, I have absolutely no confidence in myself, but <laughs> but I'm enjoying it. And I don't have to impress a teacher or pass a class or anything like that. It is just purely for fun. So you have really a strong technique. I like watching the paintings because you have, it's almost like you're standing on stage and you're painting life because you capture the lights from the other side of the stage. Oh, that's really cool. Thanks, Michelle. Yeah, and it's a really hard thing to do, right? Because, I mean, all artists, that's what they do. They chase the light. Hmm. Right? Because the whole yeah. part of painting is the 50% of dark and the 50% of life. And somewhere in the middle, you've created something. Wow. That's, yeah, that's really cool. Well, you do that. And I mean, it's not surprising to me, but I do understand, like, you know, every mural I've ever started, I don't know what it looks like to be on stage. You get that, oh, yeah, okay, here I am again, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh, totally. Yeah, and all the doubt and all the the hard work and the sacrifice, and I totally get it. Well, that's another thing I want to touch on because we're really getting – an audience about what we're doing on our sunflower project. And we can talk about that later, but let's talk about how much work is it being in your life to be an entrepreneur artist? Oh, well, it's my entire life. Um, you know, there are no, I've never had a nine to five job. I've always been an artist going on almost 40 years now. And it's, it's a job. I don't have to tell you, it's a job that just doesn't ever end right there's no start of your day and end of your day it's just you're constantly living and breathing and and being your art basically and I mean COVID kind of you know really stripped me of almost my entire identity like I haven't really known what to do with myself over these last almost two years but um, it's being an artist is all that I have ever known so I really have nothing else to compare it to kind of it's that's just my world I always think that people look from one side and say you know somebody who makes their living as an artist or a performer that life must have glamour and it does as we both know right it does yeah it definitely does but what's the but oh my gosh the but is all the stuff <laughs> that they don't right all of the there are definitely some glamour moments but at least to the point that I've achieved in my career it's definitely less 
glamour than glamour. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's it's being on tour and being on the road and sleeping in crappy hotel rooms and being exhausted and then spending every waking moment worried that you're either getting sick or, you know, the person next to you is going to make you sick. And, And for me, you know, using my voice, that's, that's my whole that's my whole thing. So if I get sick and I'm performing, I'm kind of done, right? So there's all the neurosis about it too. And it's, and then never mind all of the years of training and the sacrifice and kind of the abuse at the hands of so many different conductors and directors and, and teachers and instructors and coaches. And I mean, there are wonderful ones too, but you know, when I kind of put it all together and you're talking about glamour, there's, uh, there's not, it, it definitely doesn't outweigh the less glamorous parts of being a performer. <laughs> you know, and I think about it because I think Neuralink was a performance too. I think about that and I go, the crappy hotel rooms, eight years, I lived in an eight by eight box on the road and I had this beautiful home that I never saw. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Right. But you know, <laughs> And then there's the other part, because I'm watching during COVID, and you and I have spent quite a bit of time talking about things, but I look at, you are like this whole presence, like I think about how you teach and your performances, I see you as this major contract artist event. COVID Mm. comes, and then that leaves our community. Yeah. Right. So how do we move forward? I mean, how do we educate out there to municipalities and how to make sure if you got a hockey arena, how do you make it easier for great artists like you? Because look at the community you build. Like, so give our listeners an example of how many people are in a production that you put on. Oh, gosh. Well, before COVID, our last show which was uh, Monty Python's Spamalot. So we were at the point, my, my production company, Big Apple Productions, we were at the point where we were doing three major productions a year. Uh, so we would do the Rocky Horror Show, of course, which is how you and I kind of came to know each other a lot better. Uh, we would do that in the fall. And then sometime in the winter, kind of late winter, we would do an in-concert production at our beautiful performing arts center so we did jesus christ superstar for two years in a row and in concert and then we would do a major like a fully full-fledged broadway musical you know staged costume the work uh for a two to three week run in the spring so we kind of worked up from you know doing one show a year and small shows starting in 2009 was when i established the company to these three major productions and Let's take, for example, Jesus Christ Superstar. I had a chorus of uh, 110 people, not to mention the entire uh, crew, which is usually comprised of at least 20 to 30 more people. So, you know, we're, we're well into the close to 200, I would say. Uh, and that's just people who are involved, like in the actual onstage production, never mind you know, all of the other different kind of behind the scenes jobs, props makers and media people and graphics artists people and marketing and promotion. And so it was quite a machine. And uh, I, you know, so, so, so much work, but that's, that's what I thrive on. Like, that's just what I absolutely love. And the community has been so receptive and so 
wonderful. And the people I work with, I have singers and performers in my kind of on my team and on my crew who've been with me for some of them almost 20 years for as long as I've been in the Okanagan teaching and, and doing shows. So quite a loyal, wonderful following of people and an amazing community. Like we're really a big family. You keep hearing, you know, for listening to the news, essential service and how some things were essential services. So they got to stay open. As I'm listening to you talking, I'm thinking mental health, training, skills, teaching. That to me sounds like an essential service that maybe do you think there's a way that doing podcasts like this, we can educate. How do you make sure that during hard times, amazing creators like you can be an essential service or looked at that or educate our government that that's what it is? Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? It's a fine line. I mean, to be deemed right off the bat when, when COVID began to be deemed non-essential was a pretty big hit. And I have been taking COVID extremely seriously and, and doing everything I can to protect myself, my family, uh, immunocompromised, the young, the old. And I, of course, understand, you know, in my particular vocation as singers, we are considered to be super spreaders. So it just physically and logistically hasn't been safe to really get back at it. And I, and I get that. I totally do. And I'm really grateful that, you know, we live in Canada and I was able to have some assistance from the government through CERB when my industry was shut down. But I agree with you, Michelle, like there, there needs to be some other way to keep us creating and flowing and bringing what we do to the community even in times like this, because I think this has shown us that our world can just be completely upended at a moment's notice without any kind of warning. We were literally in the middle of cabaret rehearsals. We were three weeks into our rehearsals. We were sitting in the studio in a choreography rehearsal, and one of my cast members happened to look at his phone and said, oh, they've just shut down the borders. And that was the last time I've been in a room producing a show and that was March 2020 so with absolutely no warning it just all came to a screeching halt and I think I'm hoping that in our lifetime we're not going to experience another global pandemic but if we do I I think that you know industries that are so vulnerable like ours um, that are so easily deemed non-essential need to have some sort of protocols in place to be able to, you know, keep supporting us and, and allow us to keep doing what we do, even under very different circumstances, if that's what it has to be, you know? Oh, I, it's so essential because I'm thinking as you walk around or you're talking to different artists and people, the music has left. I feel like a really bad Footloose show that, you know, the movie Footloose <laughs> when the music was yeah, gone. Of course. Yeah, yeah. You see it and feel it out there, right? And I think that how can we survive what is a pandemic when and heal when you don't have the very vibrations that make you heal? So true. I could not agree more. And I mean, look at what we sort of as as the human race kind of turn to in times of duress and crisis. And right, we turn to entertainment. We turn to the arts. I mean, Netflix has 
more shows than ever before because that's what people need. People need to be distracted. They need to feel inspired. They need to feel a sense of hope during these times when our lives have been upended. And that comes from art. You know, it comes from the arts. There's no other, there's nothing that compares in the world to what we are able to bring people in the way of hope and optimism and a sense of community and a sense that everything's going to be okay. You know, then that's just all really been stripped away. I think it's a language too, because I know we have similar backgrounds of, you know, family and four people, but I can Mm -hmm. remember being a child and being, you know, in the really rough times in um, coal mining town in Alberta and watching my Guido and all of the union coal miners playing violin and fiddle. And they hardly had a, as my mother would say, a pot to piss in, but they had their instruments, right? And I can see my grandfather's toe tapping. That was essential to the life, even if you weren't eating well. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's culture, it's community, it's togetherness. It's everything that we've kind of been, you know, missing in this last while because because we've had to, right? We've had to isolate, we've had to protect ourselves and others, but it's like the lifeblood that keeps people going during those times. It has been just kind of removed from us. It's it's tough for sure. So have you found anything, would you say that you COVID has left anything positive? Can you, do you have a positive as you look back? And I know you how know, tough, you know? Uh, yeah, I have to say, yes, like, so in so many ways, yes. And there's a sense of guilt that kind of comes over me when I when I think about this, which I do a lot, and I acknowledge because I know there has been profound suffering all over the world and loss of life and so much illness and so much tragedy. And so I, I have this sense of guilt when I when I say and when I recognize that, yeah, there's there have been a lot of things that have turned around for me and been positive since COVID and from COVID. Would I, you know, wish that this would happen again or that it happened at all? Of course not. But it kind of showed me my ability to pivot. And that's like one of the most overused words along with uh, unprecedented. I just can't stand <laughs> the words anymore. <laughs> but it's true. You know, I it was either and you actually you, Michelle, were a huge part of that. Because when it all began, I was lost and flailing. And I remember we had some conversations. And you were the one that kind of said, you need to get off your ass and use this as an opportunity. And that struck a chord in me. And I thought, yeah, you're right. Because who knows how long this is going to last. And so I want to thank you for that. <laughs> um, but it, it really did help. And I, I did sort of start some other side hustles that kind of kept me going. And I created my Saucy Soprano project, which had so many more far-reaching effects than I ever thought it would when I started it. It was It's a project where I cooked my way through uh, a cookbook of my Jewish heritage, 400 and 12 recipes over 16 months. And through that, I mean, other than eating really well, which was great, <laughs> um, I, I connected with family all over the world that I probably wouldn't have even if there hadn't been a pandemic. Um, I 
really honed my writing skills, obviously my cooking skills. It led to a few other opportunities that I'll be announcing, you know, in the near future. And it just kind of showed me that, you know, our world can get so kind of narrow. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a theater producer. I'm a teacher. That's what I do. That's all. I'm a performer. That's all. But when those things are taken away from you and you can't do them anymore, what, what are your choices, right? You can kind of curl up and try to wait it out or you can pivot and explore some other things. So there was that for sure. And, um, right at the time that COVID happened, I think that I was, and I, I didn't realize it kind of until after, but I think that I was headed for a little bit of a burnout. And as an artist, I'm, I know you know about this very well, but, yep. um, you know, you kind of get caught up in this hamster wheel of, okay, well, I, this was a great production. And now I have to top that. Now everybody's expecting more. Everybody's expecting bigger and better. And so that kind of was my life before COVID. Like, how am I going to top the last thing that I did? And it's, it, you kind of get get yourself all caught up in this thing. And I, I think that I was really headed for sort of a major artistic burnout. And so in that way, COVID was also kind of a, a bit of a weird gift because it gave me like this forced pause and, and rest to everything and kind of a recharge. So at this point, I just, I cannot wait to get back in there, to get back into the rehearsal room, to bring a production to our community. I cannot wait. Whereas before COVID, I was kind of like, oh my God, where am I going to find the energy to do this again? <laughs> right? But yeah, so it was it was a reset in a lot of ways. Well, I have to thank you too, because during that whole time, I can remember sitting on my deck and I know I was headed for burnout, just trying to get these projects and I know how much work it is. And it's hard to find females in our industry that are doing the business and the other side. And so w when we talked, I was like giving you advice that I needed to turn around and give myself. Ah, uh, yeah. Yep. So yep. I, th I think that connection, Melina, really helped because you understood like, what the hell? Like, how do we lion tame now? That's exactly right. Yeah, that's you know? right. Yeah. So here's a funny thing. So here we are now doing the Sunflower Project. And it's it's such a, a funny story for me because it started with, you know, my immigrant family and finding out they were interned and all of these sad stories. But now the Sunflower is leading. Now, what as you're watching our, our first little show, even though the project's probably started in 2013, are you noticing people almost childlike wonder? You know, I, yes. That's a great way to describe it. I really am. It's almost like this sense of people have kind of been starved, you know, and, and they're getting like their first drink of water or their first taste of food in a really long time. And there is, there's just this sense of total presence and joy and excitement and support. And yeah, wonder, I think is a, is a great way is a great way to think of it. And the sunflower itself as a symbol, you know, it's, I think it's something in general that we kind of take for granted. We, you know, in the summer you see them all over the place and it's, it's a beautiful, a beautiful image. But when you really stop and think about it and what you've been doing with this project and having people paint them, it, it really makes you stop and consider what that imagery can represent. You know, and I know that as I was painting mine, I just felt this real sense of, I'm going to just come back to your word of, of wonder in that, 
there's so much more than meets the eye to to it and to the image and to the idea and to this sense of renaissance and rebirth and hope and optimism. And I think the sunflower like represents that so, so well, better than almost any image that I that I can think of off the top of my head. So, yeah. Me too. I'm reading the Jane Goodall book, Hope. And um, as she's describing, number one, I was really happy because she has a whiskey at seven o'clock too. So I thought that was great. (laughs) (laughs) But she says, what is hope? And she's teaching through her book about hope and how she describes it is as a human survival skill. Mm. Yeah. Right. And I'm thinking of our immigrant mothers and fathers, but our mothers and what they did. And I think about you know, the women coming and I had a tough relationship with my Baba. I didn't, I wasn't always kind. She wasn't always kind. I now understand why, but we stand on the backs of great, great women. And to me, right. When I see that sunflower, I go, we were made for these times, Melina and women like you and I, and the women were graced and men that we're working with. But I really see the strength of the female standing tall. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a beautiful way to describe it and think of it and really accurate too. Yeah, what they went through. I mean, anytime I've I've caught myself like, you know, feeling really sorry for myself and oh, why me and this and that, I I do. I I think about our people, you know, and yeah. and their struggles and how they there wasn't an opportunity for them to stop and have a pity party they just had to keep going it was survival and um that's kind of what i've sort of had in my in my mind and in my heart through all of this so yes i I, you're totally right there's a power too in it like i i didn't really think i would ever do a podcast and i kind of got pushed kicking and screaming by my business partner and i thought yeah but the bonus of it was i got to talk to my mom who was locked in who got COVID early was terrible it was terrible but I got to spend time with her recording her stories oh amazing amazing right and it's really interesting as I'm as more and more people are coming on and we're we're just stacking them until we release them because we wanted to wait for the sunflower launch how many people can come up as they did on the scaffolding and it doesn't matter what you paint and I think deep down it doesn't really matter what you sing at the end of the day, it's the coming together to create something together. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. You know, I have, well, I have people say, oh, you painted those heritage murals. It's time for them to go away. And I go, we need our heritage, Melina. Like the, the oh, music from yeah. you comes from your soul and your ancestors' souls. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, it's all, it makes us the, the artists that we are. Absolutely. How could it not, right? It's it's in our even if we for years i kind of tried to you know deny some of that but it's just in there it's part of the blood it's part of our genetic makeup so yeah i know and i think we are those translators i know like you have a son and he's going to have a family and then those traits will move forward like look at how talented he is like it's just amazing i have yeah. five five grandchildren and I spent wow. the, right? <laughs> incredible. Well, but I spent the day with my granddaughter. I mean, she's three. And the same stories as she sat there painting with me come from another time. Isn't it? Yeah. It kind of gives you goosebumps, doesn't it? Like 
it's all it's all in there. It's just passed down, whether they want it or not. It's passed down, and that that is the power that we hold, and that our ancestors held. It's a power. So I'm going to invite you to something. You and I have talked several times and said, yeah. well, one day we're going to work together. We're going to, we're going to, well, I figured it out. Okay. When we create the mural of, for, in honor of Delvier, you know, the counselor that passed away. Yeah. Which we are doing this year. I Amazing. Think, I think it needs, as we're painting, needs to be a production of some kind. Oh, Wow. Right. So whilst we're painting, how do you see, and we don't need to talk about it now, that's an offline, but I really see that when we celebrate and we all come together, all us sunflower artists as women, that when we're painting, I see Melina doing something because we need to call to the sunflowers to give her the respect she deserves. And I think that that's what's coming, Melina. I love that. I love that. And I, you know, I had the privilege of knowing Delvere um, and we talked for the last couple of years we talked about Bollywood which of course was her her baby and she wanted me to put together uh, some sort of production a musical production and write a script and have her be part of it and perform in it and had she you know been able to keep fighting and put on another one that's that's what would have happened. So doing something like that in her honor, I think is so, so fitting because she loves, she loves the art. She was one of our biggest supporters with all of the shows that we did. And she deserves a pretty great send off. Yeah, I agree. And I, I just, I can just, you can see it and feel it. The last message I got from her is she goes, Michelle, would you paint me? And would you make sure you paint me with my scars? Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So isn't that this beautiful sunflower? You know, it's a seed and then its face is up in the sun and then they look their heads down. I think we need to create a whole bunch of sunflowers on giant walls with music. I love that idea so much. I love that. How can anybody look at that and not feel a sense of optimism, you know? Yeah, yeah. I love that. So, Melina, thank you so much for spending some time with me. Oh, thank you, Michelle. Such a pleasure. I love everything that you're doing and everything you've done. And I know that we have some sort of artistic destiny together to create something incredible. So I can't wait. Yeah, so um, listeners, stay tuned. I'm going to send you on a scavenger hunt to learn so much more. Not that anybody needs any more about the amazing Melina. But she's got a whole bunch of surprises, and you have to see her art because it really does capture light. Oh, that coming from you, like I can't even, it almost makes up for that horrible teacher. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, I'm going to call this podcast, it's time for the music to play. I have a little word I'd say in the front, but what do you want to leave? It's time for the... Uh, It's time, it's time for rebirth, you know, it's time to... Oh gosh, that's a tough one. It, I I think of so many things. I can't narrow it down to one. It's it's like we've been in hibernation, and it's it's time to come out of the cave into the light. Yeah, that's that's really what I feel, especially that it's winter right now. It just it's still it feels like I've been asleep for 
a really long time and I can't wait to just wake up and step into the light and make some magic again. Well, you are magic and thank you so much. And we will talk really, really soon. I can't wait. Thanks, Michelle. Bye. It's the art and the history connecting all communities. The water flows through indigenous blue. The tides rise and fall, connecting us all. Water is life, hear our call. The water flows through indigenous blue.